kindness. We see it all around us. We see it when someone pays for someone else's coffee or holds the door open for another person. We see it in the smallest of gestures, like a smile or a kind word. But it's different when we turn on the news or social media. Oftentimes, what we hear about, what outlets are pushing, is the opposite of kind. Welcome to the Kindness Matters Podcast. Our goal is to give you a place to relax, to revel in stories of people who have received or given kindness, a place to inspire and motivate each and every one of us to practice kindness every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Kindness Matters Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rathbun. And my guest today, and honestly, I I feel blessed and honored, um, is Alex Regan. Uh, Alex is a trans man, an interfaith minister, a speaker, a transformative spiritual coach, and, as if that wasn't enough, the author of the best-selling book, What Needs to be Said. Speak your truth, release shame, find oneness. Welcome to the show, Alex. Did I get it all right? I think so, Mike. I think so. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here with you today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> uh, it's it, you know, and I was, I was kind of, I started to get into your book. We could probably spend a good hour just talking about that because there's so much there to unpack, is there not? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I, I, yeah, I've been in lots of conversations where I'm like, how long do you have today to go in this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's going to be multi-parts or what are we talking here? <laughs> um, and so just to give the, the listeners a quick rundown on your background, would you mind? Yeah, totally. So um, I grew up in an, you know, pretty evangelical conservative family, uh, knew as a little kid, okay, I think I'm uh, a lot different than they think that I am or should be. Uh, I definitely didn't have the language for it then. I wouldn't have known to say that I was trans then, but I probably knew as early as six uh, that I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm a boy and you keep calling me a girl. Um, that took a lot more years uh, under my belt before I actually came to understand what that meant and and was able to come out. But uh, by my teen years, I knew, okay, I definitely am attracted to girls. So again, we're coming up with some confusion because they're telling me I should be attracted to boys. Uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, not following their rules and, and their way of doing things. I kind of, uh, as they say, marched to the beat of my own drum. Um, after, you know, coming out in college, I just sort of left all of that behind. I had a lot of people who said, oh, I can't be your friend anymore uh, because you're gay or you're queer or whatever. Oh, you know. brother. And yeah, and, and I had a lot of people then who did try to also still include me, but it just felt like I had to kind of take a clean break and just do something else. So I really, you know, got out of everything to do with Christianity for quite some time. I just kind of left it all behind and renounced all that and went on a trail of uh, I'm an atheist now, uh, which came back to eventually I'm an agnostic. I don't know what's out there, but maybe there is something uh, and eventually just kind of led me back down some interesting paths where I got into all sorts of things from astrology to tarot to uh, the Akashic records. Uh, I started listening to Abraham Hicks, Um, you know, just kind of found this whole different way to get to God. And uh, then I ended up getting into shamanism um, and eventually went to seminary and became an interfaith minister as well to top that all off. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> as if well, that wasn't. I mean, all it kind of when you say it like that, it kind of sounds like a natural progression, doesn't it? And you start here and you work your way down, then eventually you work your way up to where you find your own divine. Exactly. Um, yeah. And and I think yeah, I think all of us I think have been on that path of one form or another. Maybe not all of us, but yeah, I I, I was raised Roman Catholic, and uh, and there was a definitely a point where I went. Mm, I'm not so sure about this whole three people or one. Yeah. Um, they, you know, <laughs> my mother and I used to have conversations like that. And they're like, well, if he didn't want us to question it, why did he give us free will? Right. But yeah, I, I, I think maybe your, your journey is probably more similar to a lot of people's than, than even you realized at that point, because your book really resonates mm, with yeah. a lot of people i think yeah um and i again i just started i just got into it i'm i'm like into the introduction and and it's just it's so well written it's so good um Thanks, because basically what you're saying in the book is there is a God, and I, I love the the whole small G part. There's a God inside each of us. Yeah. And you just have to find the one that resonates with you so that you can be your true self. Yeah. Did I nutshell that even close to right? Yeah. I mean, I think that I do try to just say throughout the whole book that the this God we're looking for outside of us. That's great and fine. There's a lot of people who have found their way to some sort of happiness and fulfillment by going to church or going to the temple or going to all these different um, spaces that have worked for them and their family's religion, etc. But I know for a lot of people that doesn't work. And I think um, there's a possibility to recognize that actually God's not outside of us. God is not separate from us, that God resides within us. Yeah. And so I kind of coined that to be called the God within um, and really tried to really, that's how I got back in touch with my own connection to the divine by calling it sort of a different name, I guess, in a way and sort of removing, uh, as you mentioned, I don't ever capitalize God in the book. I always lowercase it. And that helped me to sort of uh, put a new spin on it for my own psyche and my own mind really to, to remove it from what I had known God to be in my upbringing. And, and for those, those listening and you hear that, and maybe your your initial reaction is to stop listening. Read the book; you will understand, and it will make perfect sense to you. Um, but so I was I was flipping through the other day, and maybe this is maybe this is applicable, and maybe it's not. But it was an, an Atlantic a, an article in the Atlantic um, about and. The article was about why Americans are not going to church anymore. And they talk about they talk about a lot of things actually and boy I'm going to have to do some. But the one thing they they quote from a book called The Great Dechurching. And it hasn't even been I don't think it's been published yet. Um 
and and what they they found and yes that we we hear a lot about um abuses in the church um southern baptist convention certainly has their share of that and of course the uh, the roman catholic church has their share of that but that a much larger share of the people surveyed indicated that they left the church for ma- more banal reasons mm. um and that the defining problem driving out most people who leave is just how American life works in the 21st century. And I'm, I'm quoting right from the article here. It says contemporary America simply isn't set up to promote mutuality, care, or common life. Hmm. Rather, it is designed to maximize individual accomplishment as defined by professional and financial success. And there was even a line in there that I really liked. And apparently I didn't, the problem in front of us is not that we have a healthy, sustainable society that doesn't have room for church. The problem is that many Americans have adopted a way of life that has left us lonely, anxious, and uncertain of how to live in the community with other people. And I think that goes a lot towards this lack of kindness that we see in the world today. Um, have we just gotten, I mean, certainly COVID didn't help, right? Because we all had to stay away from each other. Yep. Did we, over the period of one or two years, just go, I hate everybody and I'm not going to be nice to anybody anymore? I mean, I think in some ways that amplified a larger problem that's been happening for some time now. You know, if if you think about who we were, you know, even a hundred years ago mm. as a community, but if you go back further and further than that, you know, we're a people that is built to be in essentially we're animals. We're built to live in packs, right? You know, we're built to live in community. We used to live in villages and small towns and, you know, we aren't even built for the information that we're receiving nowadays. You know, we aren't built for immediate tragedy that happened, you know, across the world in South Africa today, you know, or that happened in Australia. You know, we aren't built for that kind of information. When we used to get information, we might not hear about something for weeks that happens, you know, even just a town or two over because it might have taken that long for the the news to Yeah, to wait until the Pony Express came to town. Exactly, exactly. And so I think part of that has been the growth of, you know, how the internet and everything has taken off exponentially. Our minds have not seen that kind of evolution, right? Our nervous system has not had that kind of evolution. I mean, I think I saw something that was like, we have grown in the last decade more so technologically than we did in the last like 100 or 150 years, like some crazy amount, you know, like combined into just a decade. And unfortunately, our minds are not catching up to that, right? Like we're not built to just digest and take in basically trauma 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. because I and my wife and I were watching the news the other day and she's like, is it just me or is like the whole world on fire now? Because- and you think back, okay, for me, it was watching the news with my parents and it was the Huntley-Brinkley report or or um, Walter Cronkite. Yep. 
you know, you you saw the big stories. You saw, you know, Vietnam probably, maybe Watergate was in there. You didn't see the story about somebody's house exploded in Mississippi. Exactly. Yep. And that you're you're absolutely right. I, I think that just that level of trauma twenty four seven has it hardened us, do you think? Or just made us I don't know. I think it's a combination. I think in a way we've felt like we have to put this armor up. And so it's this perceived hardening where we are kind of like, hey, keep out of my way and I'll keep out of yours. Like it is this very much like we don't know how to be in community because we don't know how to stomach and really transmute all of this trauma and all the information that we're getting. You know, I always make a joke that, you know, if it was like, you know, if the Titanic was sinking today, we would see it live streamed by someone floating on the like raft, you know, being like, oh my God, this is happening live, you know, and we would just be seeing all these people jumping off. Like we would watch it live, you know, like we did 9-11, like we did, you know, like, and we're just not, we're not built for that. And, and I think, so in turn, we have sort of started to move away from community, thinking that community is causing me more harm or me to hold on to more trauma and pain. Uh, we're not listening to each other in the same way. We're not holding space for one another in, in what we go through. And I think in turn, the church is less effective because the church is built around this sort of communal, yeah. uh, you know, coming together in this community space. And if, if people are like, hey, this is too much for me. Um, not to mention that churches have gotten, you know, in my experience, they've gotten a lot more political than they ever have been in the oh, past. Yeah. Um, and that's a real shame to see because that space, it, it doesn't belong there. Uh, and um, it's like no place is safe then from somebody's ideological, uh, you know, ideas. And and yep. we should be able to like safely, you know, be in communion together um, and not have you know xyz guy you know yep knocking us over the head with uh you know with whatever his own fears and and hatreds are etc oh yeah for sure i remember my my dad and my dad was not a big scholar or you know a deep thinker but he said to me once he says he, but he said, you know, don't let a preacher tell you how to vote and don't let a politician tell you how to pray. Mm-hmm. And I think we've blurred that line. And I think we, you know, and I think that is to the detriment uh, of all of us, really, because it, it has. It's made us, um, it's made us hardened. And it, it is, it's, Plus, you know, when when I was growing up, and I don't know about, I don't know how old you are. It doesn't matter. But odds are when you were a young man, you didn't have, did you always have the internet when you were growing up? No, no. no I'm okay. an Xer. So yeah, I, oh, okay. I came into Perfect. it and like as college was in the last year. So it was like, what is this thing? You know, like just starting to be where we had like email and it was like, you know, this whole other world all of a sudden opening up. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, yeah, I, I think I had an AOL account. Me too. Ah, yeah. Yep. But, and I think the rise of that, and this goes along with what you were saying about the technology is that it has allowed people to 
anonymously act out and speak out their most primal stuff for yeah. better or for worse. Yeah. So I yeah. But we 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 can get past that, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. Definitely, because there's also a plus side to this. Right now we happen to be communicating. We don't live anywhere near each other and we're thousands of miles away from each other and we're able to talk. I was on a podcast the other day that was in us she was in Australia and I was in New Jersey. Hey, nice. you couldn't have done that, you know, 20 years ago. And so no. I think we have to also see the benefits of what this has done for us and then try to find a way to like amplify that because what is being amplified right now is sort of the negative effects of, of like you said, you know, people are kind of deciding, oh, I, I'm free to just say whatever I want on here, you know, and I kind of always follow speaking of parents or grandma, my grandpa always used to say, you know, if you don't want anyone to know, blah, 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 don't write it down. Cause that's what they used to say back in the day. Well, now it's yep. like, well, don't put it on the damn internet, you know, like yeah. if you don't want, you know, and there is just this lack of realization that there are people on the other side of these little tiny avatar graphics that show your little face or don't even show your face, show your dog or whatever. Right. Uh, and it's people on the other side of that. And I think that's where the hardening has come is that we've disconnected from recognizing, uh, you know, there's no place where you begin and I end. Right, right, for sure. Yeah, you, you see a, a profile picture, as it were, and, and you take the humanity out of that picture. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, it's, it, it's sad, but there is hope because I think just as much as technology is, is harmful, and I'm not saying technology is horrible because it does have some good points, just as you pointed out. So it has the it has the ability to bring us together as much as it drives us apart. Right. We just have to choose which we want in this situation. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and that's I, the key. What's that? Yeah, that's the key. What What do you find? So now when you you say you're an interfaith minister, and that means you basically now can you practice all religions or, or do you preach? How does that work? Um, it depends. I don't necessarily practice all the different religions. Uh during seminary, we certainly every month that we studied a different world religion, we certainly were asked to participate in one of the religious, you know, things that you would do for that month, whatever the religion was, whether it was Islam or Judaism. Um, I don't necessarily feel like I have a practicing religion, quote unquote. I really just believe that I have a, a connection and spirituality. I really, so I really kind of steer clear of, of words like religion still. Right. Um, Cause it just, it tends to put people off too, who also, especially LGBTQIA plus people who tend to come to me frequently. Uh, it's not always like, Ooh, I don't know about that. I'm going to go in the other direction, you know, when you start using that kind of language. So, um, you know, my spiritual practices and things really, are uh, kind of a conglomeration of all different types of modalities that I've studied, like I said, from shamanism and other mm -hmm. other things that I've studied. And, and that's sort of what mine looks like is sort of a hodgepodge of everything. And then as far as practicing, yeah, I do. Um, I do preach at, at 
Christian churches predominantly. Um, and then I preach at or talk, uh, do talks at other events, businesses. Um, I'm doing like a healthcare symposium um, in a couple of weeks for a big healthcare um, hospital system, you know, so it's just, it can be for businesses, uh, you know, whatever. It's a pretty broad uh, group of people. Going to my announcer voice here. For booking information, contact Alex Regan. There you go. <laughs> we will have we'll have all that stuff in the show notes, and I'll have links to your book and to your website. Awesome. I would. You're so easy to talk to. I mean, I and I got this from from a review of your book, and it's so true because you and I have talked a couple times. Yeah. Everyone should have an Alex in their life. Do you know who said that? Yeah. Uh, Reverend Barb Hetzel. Yep. 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 And it's true. I mean, you are such a, I, you're, you're like the best friend, the best of all my best friends rolled into one because you're, you're not afraid to say what needs to be said. And you can teach the rest of us how to say what needs to be said. Uh, your book is not so much even just a memoir. It's more of a a guide. Yeah. Because you have sections in there that a person reading your book can go through and journal. Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah, I have all kinds of practices. So it's really built on... It's built out of on like three parts, which is the origin, struggle, and emergence. So mm -hmm. in each of those parts, I do talk about my own story, but then I also go into at the end of each chapter, there's a writing prompt for you to do, um, for the reader to do. Then at the end of each part, I have a whole section that's basically geared towards, okay, how can you work through things in your own origin? How can you work th through things in your own struggles that you've gone through? How can you, you know, advance and move even beyond your own emergence of things? So yeah, it's it's basically like a self-help book slash memoir. So it's kind of a little bit of both. How do you sell that on Amazon? It's like self-help slash mental health slash. Yep. It's like in a whole bunch of uh, different. This weekend, I got up to like number three in LGBTQ like it was, I don't even know what the topic was. Like I'd never even seen, it was like demographic <laughs> studies or something. And I was like, okay, I don't even know what that genre is, but. I okay. would have stopped at number three. <laughs> <laughs> I think the furthest I've been up with any of my books on Amazon is, I think I was like 1900 worldwide on something or other. I don't know what it was, but yeah. And so I'm, like I say, yeah, I would have stopped at number three and just. All right. Fair enough. Win. Take the win. out. <laughs> take the win alex i'll take uh, it so yeah um i i as as hateful as the world has become i think we have hope and if each of us strives to be better people and one way to be a better person is to read what needs to be said what needs to be said speak your truth release shame and find oneness and that's how you can be a better person. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for being on, Alex. I really, really, really appreciate it. I appreciate your insight. And uh, I hope we can speak again sometime. You got it. I'd love to be back anytime. You just let me know. Thanks for having me so much. I appreciate it. Fantastic. Take care. We'll talk. That sounds good. 
full disclosure here. <laughs> so I was looking at the time and we were recording on Zoom, Alex and I, and I thought I was running out of time. So if the ending of that episode sounded hurried, it probably was. I promise to have Alex Regan back on the show. We'll discuss all the stuff we want to talk about without rushing. How about that? Uh, it was great to have Alex on the show. A lot of great insights uh, from a man who has seen, I'm sure, more than his share of, of hate. And, and yet he remains optimistic and hopeful. So... I think that's my one takeaway from this entire episode. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We will be back again next week with a new episode. And you know the drill. Be that person who roots for others, who tells a stranger they look amazing, and encourages others to believe in themselves and their dreams. You've been listening to the Kindness Matters podcast. I am your host, Mike Rathbun. Have a fantastic week.